0: everyone, welcome back to the Hidden in the Thrones podcast, the show where I read the Game of Thrones books for the very first time and give you my genuine reaction to the Tales events. My name is Kusha Mike, creator and host for this podcast and first time Game of Thrones reader. And I'm so glad to have you guys back today. I appreciate every listen, every play. Thank you so much for being here with me. I am mad appreciative. Alright, alright. Enough of the niceties. So, Bridget's on. <laughs> yeah, I'm still talking about this show a whole week after watching it because it's consuming my brain parts. Uh, I love a good Regency tale. I read my first Regency when my hormones were raging and I've never looked back. Although the story or the plot itself has become more of the star more than, well, know, with yeah, the, you know. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, sorry, mama, dad, sorry. <laughs> anyway, I love A Good regency and I love that Bridgerton, Bridgerton was brought uh, to our screens after a 20-year wait. A uh, Google search says that it is the first series, the first book, rather, was written in 2000, thereabouts, and now it's on netflix and it's screening to a record a crazy record amount of of people i think it was 76 something million households or people watched or whatever the case is which is great um i love when people do the work and they put in the work and then they finally get the flowers it's always great to see but here's what i kind of love about bergerton the most besides the fact that this is a origin city right I love that we got to see Black people in powerful positions in that particular period, given the period. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Regency is like around... Oh, sorry. That was a burp. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, but if I'm not mistaken, Regency was uh, around like the 1700s, eight, early 1800s, something of the sort. And... If you aren't black. I don't mean like this. In like a rude way. But if you aren't black. You just have no idea. What this does for us. As a people. You guys just. You don't have any. You don't have the focus. And. To. See us like that. And to know that we. Are more than just. For, for for a particular unit to finally recognize that we are more than just suffering, cotton picking, slaving people, and that we are above all that, and we're more that we're more than the animals that you that people that we were made to be, and that it it just it does it does a lot for the subconscious and it does a lot for us as a people but and this could be just like personally for me i don't I, it to me and I don't mean to be the party poop in general you guys, but I also kind of feel on the other side while i'm I'm happy that this is happening, I also feel like now inserting us into a period where we were not necessarily welcome, at least in the reality of things. And I'm choosing my words carefully here because I know that historians are digging up some really juicy stuff, which we always love to see. But inserting us post-production into a period that didn't welcome us into the positions, it kind of hurts as well. And I hope I don't make people mad when I say this, because Bridgerton is a great show. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, Some people don't agree with me, but I love the show. Uh, I love seeing us on screen. But what I'm saying is that it hurts because there's no reason that this shouldn't have been the norm all the time. I'm talking about in real life and in fiction. We should have been able to be dukes and duchesses and kings and queens and we should have been able to own land and we should have been able to love and to accept and be accepted just because we breathe and the case is in, in the reality of things okay iCloud in the, okay cars cars and my cars and my computer hear me going on a very important rant and I'm just uh, rude is what they call that rude I don't appreciate that anyway as we're saying We were, we weren't allowed to be loved and to love and to go through all the all the normal things that human beings were able to go through because we were considered human beings, and so to arrow us in like this. And I love that we're making an attempt to kind of humanize us, black people. I mean, but it also kind of makes me sad in the same breath because it tells me what should have been and it reminds me of what was lost just because my ancestors were differently colored and it makes me sad I love to see it I love to get the recognition that we so richly deserve but it kind of like it makes me sad too but I mean don't stop it Like I'm not saying to stop it I'm, I'm not saying that you should continue showing us in the fields being whipped and not, you know, looking, looking spankable, you know, I'm I'm not saying, okay. Maybe that was a portrait of words. I apologize. That was a portrait of words. I'm not saying stop, showing us in like this, but um, just be aware that at least for me, it does bring about that kind of sadness as well. So, just had to get that part of the way. But let me just say, categorically, that Penelope Featherington and Eloise Bridgerton are my two favorite characters, hands down. And no amount of shirtless scenes from Roger jean Page can change that. And Regé-Jean Page, people, is the guy who played the duke. The Duke, they really yeah yeah. So that's the guy who played the Duke, and these two are just brainy. They're sarcastic, they're funny, and they really just don't give a damn about what society expects of them. Well, Eloise more than Penelope, but Penelope's she's there. Um, Penelope Featherington, Pen, whatever you want to call her, played by the absolutely beautiful Nicola. Um uh, and Nicola is gorgeous. You guys need to go to her Twitter page and just look at her Avi. Oh, she's beautiful, beautiful girl. Oh, where is Gloria Jessie's Eloise? But I love the both of them. And Gloria Jessie, of course, plays Eloise Bridgeson. And both of them are two beautiful girls, gorgeous girls. And they play two amazing characters. Uh, the beautiful on-screen and the beautiful off-screen because I have seen a couple of Nicola's uh, tweets. I haven't seen Claudia's tweets as much, but they're both beautiful on-screen and off and I just, I love them to bits and pieces. Eloise reminds me of Lillian Linton from the Storm and Silence series and if you haven't read the Storm and Silence series, it is on Wattpad and it is also on Radish Fiction so you guys can go and check that out. You should go and check that out. It's a great book. It's amazing. And the book is written by Robert Thier he's German I believe and Mr. Thier if you ever listened to this and I got your nationality wrong <laughs> please forgive me but uh, yeah she reminds me of Lillian Elvis reminds me of Lillian so much and I, I've never read the books before but I certainly hope that uh, if she gets a book that she ends up going to university and dresses up like a man and ends up getting to go to university to learn because that would just be it would just be so good Uh but yeah, pretty sad. Um I'm not gonna talk about the amount of butts that I that we saw because they were very there were there were many amounts of butts, there were many butts, very many, many butts. And um I'll just leave it at that. It was a great show. I loved it. I would not have lasted a day on set around the butts. Um But yeah, if you're into Regency, go in, check that out. It's a good show. Um, I cracked under the pressure of just wanting to go and watch it and be done. And I am absolutely glad that I was able to go and do that. Hey there. All the big podcasts usually take this opportunity to talk about their sponsors. This podcast doesn't have any. But there's nothing like speaking it into existence before it happens. So, this is an ad space and this is made for the Hidden in the Thrones podcast. Now on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Radio Public, and Anchor. pick up from where Caitlin is at the bedside of Bran and she was particularly rude to Jon Snow before he left to go to the north well further north which is toward the wall and she's sitting there and she's holding Bran's hand and her son comes in Which is Rob. Her son comes in and he basically tells her that his other children need her. And she explains to him that, you know, she doesn't know how to be that person right now. Because she's so worried about Bran. And she's worried about him dying if she leaves or she moves or whatever. And Rob, rather, just kind of like breaks down. And eventually... Rob leaves, and Caitlin is left sitting there with Bran. And, oh! Forgot the reason why he left. He leaves because there is a fire in one of the towers. And so, as the lord of the house, uh, he is forced to go out and stop the fire. While he's out there, and while everybody else because all the guards and stuff cleared the room, this man... Is in the room with a knife, supposedly to come and kill Bran, and Caitlin eventually gets in the way and stops him with the help of Bran's wolf, who is still Nemus at this point. So they stop the guy. The guy, the wolf ends up mauling the guy to death, and they come back, and Caitlin gets bandaged up. She finally gets some sleep, and then she gets she asks for updates on what's going on in the castle belatedly but i guess better late than never and she decides that given the dire situation that they are in concerning brand safety and concerning uh ned and her other children's safety because they do realize that they may ned and they may be walking into a trap she decides that she is gonna go and warn ned and this is the first time that she's left the brand side in I don't know how many days, but she makes that decision and she really regains some semblance of herself. And she—that's what we leave her, her deciding to go north. So a couple notes that I have here. One of the things that Caitlin did when after the guy died, because the wolf attacked the guy, ripped out his throat, and then came and sat on the bed right next to Brands body i guess at this point because bran wasn't really here nor there uh he was barely hanging on and the wolf kills him and then goes and lays down next to bran and caitlin sees this and she just starts laughing uncontrollably and that's how rob and they come back and meet her now i am it could be shock it could be shock that she experienced and she's just you know laughing out all the shock or it could possibly be that she realized that she wasn't much of a help in doing what she was doing, which was sitting by the bedside. The wolf did more for Bran in seconds than she was able to do in her entire time there, just sitting there and moping and being mean to John Snow, which I'm not over, by the way. I don't think I'll... I, mean, I Like, I continue to say, I understand it, but I will never get over that. But I feel like it could be shock. More than likely, it's shock. But I feel like she also recognised that she wasn't really much of a help in the end. And that her sitting there was more or less useless. And and coward. I don't want to say cowardly. It wasn't cowardly. I mean, she was doing all her mother could do. But essentially, everything that she did was useless. And her decision to go to King's Landing in the end, which is where she headed off to. To warn Ned and the, and the girls. It was it was it it was it was probably the only decision that she she could have made. Again, I think she realized in the end that she wasn't really serving Bran any purpose and she wasn't serving any purpose being there. So it it, it she she wanted to be of help and she found a way to be of help in the end. And somebody said something, uh I think it was Rob. In the end, he had said, "Bran was holding her hand, and there's so much packed into those five words um first of all, she was holding Bran's hand, right uh she held onto Brown's hand, and I remember they, they Martin had described how his hands were so thin and frail and that's to be expected because he's not really eating he was he had a diet of like honey and water, and that was what was keeping him alive and you know, she was holding his hand, but it it means to me that Bran more or less was holding her back from doing something helpful, something reasonable, something that would aid uh, everyone in the situation that they were in. And it's such a powerful statement as to what her state of mind was, where she was at the Caitlin that she had become and you know Bran Brad essentially I think what he wanted to say was Bran was holding her back and keeping her from being the lady of the house that she needed to be and ended up putting all the strain on Rob and he was really feeling it at this point because the other little son Bracken one of the um, he was like three, and he, he was telling his mom he, he was just crying, and he didn't know what to do or how to comfort him or whatever. So essentially, he was that statement just basically means, Brown was holding, her back, and, you know, it, it's such a weird flipped it, you know, not that Brown could actually hold a hand, but as more like a a, a, a spiritual holding of the hand. Didn't mean to get so philosophical, <laughs> but um, yeah it was an interesting phrase to use right so on to this next very busy chapter in the book i felt like this was a busier chapter uh for for more than than most of the chapters thus far it was very very busy so a couple things happened in this chapter um the team the king's procession on the way back i guess to the south, they had stopped, and they had the caravans and whatever. Of course, we know this because in the last part, uh, episode we talked about uh, Ned and the King having a conversation about how to go forward in terms of war. And in this chapter, it kind of focuses on the children. And so Sansa and the uh, have been invited basically to the to something, some kind of dinner thing with the Queen, and. Sansa, of course, is excited to go because she's a little ladykin. And the sector Morgana tells uh, Sansa that she has to invite her sister, which is Arya. And she goes to get... after have to allow for the vehicles. Must allow for the vehicles in my background. <laughs> anyway, so uh, she goes to get Arya. And Arya is basically practicing sword fighting with... Oh, no, she's not practicing sword fighting yet. She's just kind of picking. She's trying to clean... <laughs> she, she's trying to clean Maria, which is her wolf. And um, Numeria is chock full of mud. God knows how alone she got She got that. But um, she's cleaning Numeria, and Sansa comes and lets her know that they have to report to the queen for this uh, particular ride or banquet or whatever the hell it is. It's some kind of some kind of thing where they have to attend with the queen. i d I don't know there there was promise of lemon cakes and sweets and so on. It seems to be a tea party. I'm not entirely I can't remember. I've read this chapter so long ago. I really can't remember what it was. It's so dumb. Anyway so she comes and tells San uh Arias so Sansa tells Arya that she has to report for this thing. And Arya tells her in no uncertain terms that she doesn't want to go because she doesn't like the Queen. And I felt that. I felt that. But you know, garage the book. But let's let's keep to the plot of the book. So um anyway, Sansa storms off and when she's walking back she sees the this crowd gathered around the, the queen's um carriage or whatever. Well, it's like, it, the characters like kind of, like, in the center of the square, and everybody's kind of, like, gathered around it, and there's this big introduction of certain king's guardmen, and these are guys that are a part of uh, law, and for, for like, the, the whole of the, for all of the kingdoms, so uh, they are part of law, and they're pretty famous, and they're all having this conversation, and they introduce themselves, and... Sansa uh, gets frightened by one of the guys. I think it's either the Hound or the other guy with, with the note, without with the talk. I can't remember his name at this point in the time. And I don't have the book yet again. I never bring my book when it's time to record. <laughs> so that I'm always forgetting names. Anyway, so uh, she's frightened by one of the guys. And people start laughing at her. She's, of course, feeling subconscious. And Jeffrey, Prince Jeffrey. Oh, Prince Jeffrey. Swoops in to... Rescue her, quote unquote, and so the queen lets her know because of certain things, tea party is off, joy of joys, and um, they she tells Jeffrey to entertain Sansa in her step, so and that's what he does. So they go and they have a little picnic and they do all kinds of things, and they end up coming up to where. Aria and her friend, Micah, are both sword fighting. And... Essentially, Jeffrey bothers the both of them. He is, in a word, mean. He's horrendous to to those poor children. And what ends up happening is that Jeffrey's attacked by Nymeria. And... um, There's this whole confrontation, Micah runs away, there's this whole conversation. and at the end of the chapter we're left knowing that Arya is going to be in a whole heap of trouble right, so like I said, this chapter was very 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 busy, I'm pretty sure there are parts that I'm, I'm forgetting or that I forgot when I was jotting on my notes but the chapter is very very busy, especially for, given the age of the people that are involved, because these are 12 year olds and 11 year olds and 10 year olds, I think uh, Arya is like nine and it's a very very busy chapter and it's it's nice to see chapters that are you know so focused on the activities of the children and give them that kind of instead of pushing them to the background and making them like you know props they give them their own little storyline and i, and I like that i liked that the chapter was that busy it was great uh let's just address how i feel about the various characters. Well, not the various characters. I just want to deal with two characters because I think you guys already know how I feel feel about uh the Arya. Um, but this is the first time that we really got some insights into Sansa, and I just need to say in one sentence, Sansa is the pick me, pick me of the entire book. I I I'm saying that now, but maybe there might be somebody else to beat her, but she's the pick me pick-me of all time. And I don't know if it's... I don't want to say it's entirely her fault. I think she just wants to be a good daughter. I think she just wants to do the right thing, and she wants to make a good impression as much as possible, because she knows how important standing is. doesn't stop her from being a pick-me, but, like, I mean, I... I kinda get it, and there's a point where the narrative says that she knew that she was in love with him. Him referring to Jeff to Geoffrey, because they are promised to each other, of course. And I'm wondering if 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 it if it is that it's Sansa that's in love with Jeffrey, or is she is she saying that in an attempt to kind of reconcile the fact that this is her duty and she would do anything to just kind of fulfill her duty and for me i feel like it's the latter thing she's just she just wants to be obedient and her obedience is making her think that she's feeling things that she doesn't actually feel and it's a sad place to be that i think that's what making that that is what is making her depict me um or maybe it's just that my sense of right and wrong has now become skewed Uh, but I I think it's more she's she's been programmed to duty and she's convinced herself that she is now in in love with what is essentially a horrible human being Uh, I found myself saying to the book many times, many many times shut the hell up Sansa just shut the hell up and <laughs> there's no way that i should be saying that to uh what i think she's 10 um can't be saying that at 10 that's that's me but it, i throughout the book it was just i guess martin makes the, the characters so mature that you kind of forget that they're nine and ten and you kind of like treat them as adults so for me it was just like shut the hell up Santa, and stop it. Stop being a pickney, Sansa, and shut the hell up. <laughs> um, jo- with Joffrey, I'm kind of like swayed by what I already hear from other people. Not that he was mean, but in this instance, I feel like Joffrey is twelve, and twelve-year-olds are little toots. They're in that awkward stage where they're they're pre adolescent and they just I don't know their third levels just the little snot levels just go up a notch and they're just horrible. They they just some of them just become horrible people, and I feel like you can't entirely put the blame on him there, but um he was horrible to two people who did absolutely nothing to evoke his ire, uh, but still, even more, I think Sansa's pick me is um kind of like outweighed everything else. Like, that's your sister, yo. You're gonna let somebody who you barely know just because it's a attached like obedience and duty and stuff. You're gonna let somebody mess with your family. Like, where's the loyalty, Sansa? Come on, like, for real. Like no. Like I mean Jeffrey had Jeffrey's a prince, so he knew he knows that he can abuse his power. But Sansa Sansa grew up in like a loyal family. Even if you don't see eye to eye with your sister, I mean that's your sister farm. I really did expect Bector of her as as a stock. But um yeah, those are those are my thoughts on this particular chapter. I I know Arya is going to be in a world of trouble. It's just... Left to see... Hi Dios mio. It's just left to see... How deep this trouble goes. And... I I, I honestly look forward to the development of all these children and all these characters and i hope sansa gets better for her sake anyway guys that is going to do it for me for today thank you for being here with me once again uh you guys are awesome i love each and every one of you who downloads my stuff because i didn't actually expect anybody to start listening to me anyway but slowly but surely my views are coming in and i appreciate the fact that you guys are taking the time to listen to me blather on about a book i'm sure you guys are over by now uh so thank you for listening be sure to follow me on my socials you can contact me on my personal handle on twitter that is at miss mike 772 that's m-s-m-i-k-e 772 or you can use the at turbulent book w1 handle why did i blank for two seconds yeah so you, that's the at turbulent book w1 twitter handle that's the W One podcast twitter page as well you guys can send me your messages you can also leave me a voice message here if you have the anchor app even if you don't have the anchor app i think that you can use that feature so go ahead and take advantage of that and let me know your thoughts uh but that is going to do it for me for today thank you so much again for listening i appreciate your company today and every single day that you listen take care guys be safe stay focused yo peeps i'm gone